0: tonight's part 11 of Christ's second coming. We'll first go to 2 Nephi chapter 10. and 2 Nephi chapter 10, verses 5 through 19. But because of priestcrafts and iniquities, they at Jerusalem will stiffen their necks against him, that he be crucified. Wherefore, because of their iniquities, destructions, famines, pestilence, and bloodshed shall come upon them and they who shall not be destroyed shall be scattered among all nations but behold thus saith the lord god when the day cometh that they shall believe in me that i am christ then have i covenanted with their fathers that they shall be restored in the flesh upon the earth unto the lands of their inheritance now it's it's largely been a great mystery about you know when the Jews will be restored to their lands of inheritance, as is the prophecy, and you know many believe that to be uh, what was started during the Balfour declaration um, right after World War two uh, World War one. Um, but that's not what this is talking about in this context. Um, The restoration that is being talked about is the restoration that will happen after the end-time exodus starts. And the fullness of the gospel is taken to the Jews by those who go on that end-time exodus. And we need to remember, and there are parallels made in this chapter, that part of the Jews who receive the fullness of the gospel are a mixture of, Of Lehi's seed. It was one of the sons, the only one who survived. Mulek, a son of the last of the uh Jewish kings, Zedekiah, who came over to North America. And you know, his people were known as the Mulekites. They blended with the Nephites and from that point thereafter, in Zarahemla, uh, became known as the Nephites. But we have pure blood Judah mixed in with uh, Manasseh, um, you know, who was from Lehi, and the other tribes who came with him, you know, Ishmael, and also Zoram. And so part of the taking the fullness of the gospel to the Jews is that mission that will begin at the time of the Exodus, led by Joseph Smith, that will first take the fullness of the gospel to the Lamanites. Um, But after the gospel has been taken to the Lamanites and there has been a separation between the wheat and the tares among the Lamanites, precisely as there will be among the members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, where the wheat go out on an exodus and their tares do not make it. uh, It will be the exact same situation among the Lamanites. And, and then the gospel will continue to be taken to the four quarters of the earth by those who are on that end time exodus whose job it is to take the fullness of the gospel to the four quarters of the earth and to gather out Israel and bring all who will unto Zion verse 7 but behold thus saith the Lord God when the day cometh that they shall believe in me so this day is after the Exodus starts and after the fullness of the gospel is preached to them in power and authority. Then have I covenanted with their fathers that they shall be restored in the flesh upon the earth unto the lands of their inheritance. They shall be gathered in from their long dispersion, from the isles of the sea, and from the four parts of the earth. And the nations of the Gentiles shall be great in the eyes of me, saith God, in carrying them forth to the lands of their inheritance. So, um, in this chapter, uh, we have the frequent use of the term Gentiles. And the term Gentiles is used as it is generally used in, by other Book of Mormon prophets as referring to members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, there are also instances in this chapter where the term Gentiles is used in the general form to speak of the Gentile nation, you know, specifically North America. But the Gentiles referred to in verse 8 are, you know, specifically the members of the church who awake and arise, who repent and ascend, and receive the fullness of the gospel themselves, and then are the Lord's messengers in taking the fullness of the gospel to the four quarters of the earth, including the Jews. Um, you know, we have this popular perception that the gospel won't go forth to the Jews until Christ comes to them Um, after the battle of Armageddon. Um, But it will actually go forth to the Jews uh, even before that time, beginning at the time of the Exodus. Verse 9, And the kings of the Gentiles shall be nursing fathers unto them, and their queens shall become nursing mothers. Wherefore the promises of the Lord are spoken unto the Gentiles, for he hath spoken it, and who can dispute? Now, the Lord calls out exactly who he means among the Gentiles, by the kings and queens of the Gentiles. Now, this doesn't refer to political authority. This refers to uh, spiritual ascension level. And if we cross-reference to DNC 76 When does a man become a king and a priest when does a woman become a queen and a priestess So in DNC 76 the the path to become a king and queen a queen and priestess is outlined starting in verse 51 They are they who received the testimony of Jesus and believed on his name and were baptized after the manner of his burial, being buried in the water in his name, and this according to the commandment which he has given. So we've discussed previously that there are two water baptisms. The first water baptism is not required, but it is beneficial. And this first water baptism is into the telestial order of the gospel. the preparatory gospel, the second water. And this baptism by water was what was being performed by Nephi at the end of second or at the end of third Nephi chapter seven, where Nephi calls men, ordains them to the Aaronic priesthood and they go forward and they preach the doctrine of Christ and they baptized by water and by the power and authority of the Aaronic priesthood into the preparatory gospel. And it's largely those who received this teaching and received baptism by water into the preparatory gospel who survived the destructions that preceded the coming of Jesus Christ you know, after his crucifixion. And then when Christ comes in 3 Nephi 11, he restores to Nephi the terrestrial order or church of Christ, and with it, the apostolic order of Melchizedek priesthood, or the first order of Melchizedek priesthood. And that order of the priesthood has the authority to baptize by water into the terrestrial order of the gospel. And then in 3 Nephi 18, we see that Christ seals this priesthood upon Nephi and the 12, and once it is sealed upon them, then they are able to perform the ordinance of baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost when directed by the Spirit. Verse 52, that by keeping the commandments, they might be washed and cleansed from all their sins and receive the Holy Spirit by the laying on of hands of him who is ordained and sealed unto this power. So that is the ordinance of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, performed by one who has been ordained and sealed to the apostolic order of Melchizedek priesthood. And then verse 53 and who overcome by faith, or in other words, who then continue to feast upon the words of Christ, not only to hear, but also to do all the commandments which God shall give unto them, and are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, this sealing. By the Holy Spirit of promise is having one's calling and election made sure by Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit of promise is Jesus Christ, or more specifically, it is an aspect of the mission of Jesus Christ as a keeper at the gate, and he employeth no servant there. And this being sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise only happens when one ascends into the seventh heaven, Or one goes where Christ reigns in the fullness of his glory and in Christ's capacity as the Holy Spirit of promise seals that man or that woman up unto eternal life. Or in other words, makes their calling and election sure. Then, as 54 states, they are they who are the church of the firstborn. The celestial order of the gospel, which was also restored through Joseph Smith on June 4th, 1831 um, at the Isaac Morley farm. Then we have the next, you know, major ascension level, which is being ordained and sealed to the patriarchal order of the Melchizedek priesthood. Um, And in verse 55 They are they into whose hands the Father hath given all things. They are they who are priests and kings, who have received of his fullness and of his glory, and are priests of the Most High after the order of Melchizedek, which was after the order of Enoch, which was after the order of the only begotten Son. Wherefore, as it is written, they are gods, even the sons of God. So prior to Joseph Smith coming on the scene, Almost directly prior, as we learn in the words of Isaiah, Joseph Smith is sealed unto this order of the priesthood. He receives the sealing power, the power to bind and loose on earth and in heaven, and even command the very elements, and they will obey him. And, you know, Joseph Smith is a type... um, of the savior and an exemplar and a role model for all of the strength of the Lord's house. All of those who were gathered out to follow the same path of ascension that he has followed. Now for many, the actual reception of the baptism of fire, baptism of Holy ghost will not happen until right around the time of the exodus. Um, for many, it will happen directly before and directly after. And then once a man or woman has received the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, uh, during these end times, they qualify for one of the 144,000 to work with them and help them ascend one more level to the church of the firstborn level and enter into Christ's presence in the fullness of his glory. And then the next level of ascension is the ascension level of king and priest, queen and priestess. So, as we go back to 2 Nephi 10, uh, again in verse 9, Yea, the kings of the Gentiles shall be nursing fathers unto them, and their queens shall be nursing mothers. Um, You know, this is the proposition set forth that the leaders of these missionary efforts on this end time exodus will be that those who have ascended to the king and priest, queen and priestess level, or have had the patriarchal order of the Melchizedek priesthood sealed upon them for men and for women have had the matriarchal order sealed upon them. Um, That doesn't mean that they will exclusively be the ones who are taking the gospel forth, but under Joseph Smith's direction, those at that ascension level will be leading out the various missionary efforts, including to the Lamanites and the Jews and all of the other peoples of the whole earth who qualify uh, to have the, fullness of the gospel preached unto them by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost. And queens shall become their nursing mothers, wherefore the promises of the Lord are great unto the Gentiles, for he hath spoken it, and who can dispute? Okay, so the term Gentiles, you know, in as used by the Book of Mormon prophets, you know, are the, the remnant of the house of Ephraim, you know, who would be given in the last days, the fullness of the gospel, and that there would be a subset among them who would awake and arise and embrace the fullness of the gospel. And would then be among those who would be gathered out and consider the strength of the Lord's house by Joseph Smith and the end time servants and would participate in that end time Exodus you know, which culminates in meeting up with Enoch, the return of his city, and the establishment establishment of New Jerusalem. And during that period, going out on all of these missionary efforts. And you know, the while there will be many who you know receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost before that end time exodus. Um. There will be relatively few who have received the second comforter experience, um, but will receive it during the... All right. So starting again in verse 11. And this land shall be a land of liberty unto the Gentiles, and there shall be no kings upon the land who shall rise up unto the Gentiles. So while there is a debate uh, raging among Latter-day Saints, um, you know, Where was the geographical location of the events of the Book of Mormon? Uh, As we look at all the prophecies of the Book of Mormon, it becomes clear that the land of liberty, you know, refers specifically to North America and that North America, you know, was in fact the location of uh, the Book of Mormon record. Now this doesn't mean that there weren't also uh, people's that Christ visited in Central Latin and South America, you know, after his resurrection, after he visited the Nephites, there were, and so, you know, that's why in their records and in their buildings we have many evidences of of Christ and his visitation. Um, but you know, the people of the Book, of, peoples of the Book of Mormon, uh, inhabited North America. And I will fortify this land against all other nations. And he that fighteth against Zion shall perish, saith God. Now, you know, in chapter 10, there is a lot of Isaiah imagery used, you know, especially from Isaiah chapter 49, which You know, Isaiah chapter 48 and 49 are quoted in 1 Nephi 20 and 21. And they're all about the end time servant returning. And, you know, Zion is the level of those who embrace the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They repent and return. And enter into the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit. And so those who fight against Zion shall perish, you know, is referring to those who fight against God's people as they are gathered out on the eve of destruction and uh, going into that end time Exodus. So, you know, the, the Z- establishment of Zion that Isaiah talks about happens as that end-time exodus begins. And, you know, the, the definition of this Zion is expanded a little bit to, you know, those who enter into the new covenant, you know, before the end-time exodus begins, the Lord will not allow those people to be destroyed um, he will protect his people, and he will continue to protect them, even though uh, the peoples and nations of the earth will fight against them. Even as they are going out on this end time exodus, and as they are going out on their missionary efforts, you know, just like Alma the Younger and the sons of Mosiah did. Verse fifteen. Wherefore, for this cause, that my covenants may be fulfilled, which I have made unto the children of men, that I will do unto them while they are in the flesh, I must needs destroy the secret works of darkness and of murders and of abominations. So, Moroni tells us that the secret works of darkness and murders and abominations. Would even come among the Latter day Saints. And as a cross reference, if we go to Ether chapter 8, and Nephi is also making a direct reference to um, this same occurrence. In Ether 8, verse 23, wherefore, O ye members of Of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints or Gentiles, it is wisdom in God that these things should be shown unto you, that thereby ye may repent of your sins, which is how we ascend from the Jacob Israel to the Zion Jerusalem level, and suffer not that these murderous combinations shall get above you. Now, in these verses, Moroni has made the transition from political to religious. And he's not talking about, don't let them get above you in government. He's already made that warning. This verse is saying, don't let them get above you in ecclesiastical power and authority, which are to build up to get power and gain. And the work, yea, even the work of destruction come upon you. Yea, Even the sword of the justice of the eternal God shall fall upon you to your overthrow and destruction. If you shall suffer these things to be. So in verse 23, Moroni says, don't um, allow it to happen. And then verse 24, he says, but when it does, wherefore the Lord commandeth you, when ye shall see these things come among you, that ye shall awake to a sense of your awful situation because of the secret combination, which shall be among you, or woe be unto it because of the blood of them who have been slain. For they cry from the dust for vengeance upon it. And also upon those who built it up. Now, this great secret combination is also called the whore Babylon and the great and abominable church. So back in 2 Nephi chapter 10. Again, verse 15 wherefore for this cause that my covenants may be fulfilled, which I have made unto the children of men that I will do unto them while they are in the flesh, I must needs destroy the secret works of darkness and of murders and of abominations. Now in DNC one Oh one, we have the prophecy about the return of the Lord's end time servant and How one of his major missions will be to overthrow the works of the enemies of the Lord or the great whore Babylon. Verse 56 of DNC 101 Go ye straightway unto the land of my vineyard and redeem my vineyard, for it is mine. I have bought it with money. Therefore, get ye straightway unto the land, break down the walls of mine enemies, throw down their tower, and scatter their watchmen. And inasmuch as they gather together against you, avenge me of mine enemies, that by and by I may come with the residue of my house and possess the land. So, back in verse uh, 2 Nephi chapter 10, reading the last part of verse 15. Now that we have more context to understand what Nephi is talking about, that I will do unto them while they are in the flesh, I must needs destroy the secret works of darkness and murders and of abominations. And this is primarily going to happen through the Lord's end time servants and those who return with him that the Lord refers to in D&C 88 as the first labors in the last kingdom. The Lord refers to in the doctrine and covenants as my apostles and my friends, and are also referred to in the parable of the redemption of Zion as the servants. Wherefore he that fighteth against Zion, both Jew and Gentile. So, meaning that there will be those even among the Lord's own house in the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints who will unite with the rest of the world in fighting against the Lord's end-time servant, his servants, and the strength of the Lord's house. Both bond and free, both male and female, shall perish, for they are they who are the whore of all the earth. For they are they who are not for me, are against me, saith our God. You know, we find out in the Book of Mormon that there are saved two churches only. The church of the Lamb of God and the church of the devil. And one becomes a member of the church of the Lamb of God by repenting and returning unto Christ, by entering into the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit and actively seeking after the baptism of fire baptism only ghost which means that they draw near to the lord not only with their lips but also with their hearts meaning that they not only request revelation but they also act upon it and specifically revelation about how to offer up a broken heart and contrite spirit that they might receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and then enter into the rest of the Lord, which rest is the fullness of his glory. Verse 17, For I will fulfill my promises, which I have made unto the children of men, that I will do unto them while they are in the flesh. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, thus saith our God, I will afflict thy seed by the hand of the Gentiles. So now um, Nephi has expanded the meaning of the term Gentiles to refer to the Gentile nation. Nevertheless, I will soften the hearts of the Gentiles, that they shall be like unto a father to them. So now we have narrowed again the term Gentiles to the strength of the Lord's house, those among the Latter-day Saint movement who will accept the fullness of the doctrine of Christ and enter into the new covenant. Wherefore, the Gentiles shall be blessed and numbered among the house of Israel. Now, let's cross-reference this with the prophecy that Christ made to the Nephites that after the fullness of the gospel was restored to the Gentiles, that they would reject the fullness of the gospel, and that there would be a portion who would repent and return. So in Third Nephi 16.10, and the follow-up is verse 13, or, or rather verse 12, where Christ states explicitly how, the Gentiles repent and return and become a favored people of the Lord and are to be numbered among the house of Israel. Verse 10, And thus commandeth the Father that I should say unto you, O say, okay, so Christ is telling the Nephites that Father has commanded him to declare that In the last days, when the fullness of the gospel would be restored through Joseph Smith, that they would reject the fullness of the gospel. At that day when the Gentiles shall sin against my gospel and shall reject the fullness of my gospel. Okay, so the fullness of Christ's gospel is the church of Christ. It is the terrestrial order. It is the rejecting of the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit. And that's when, in 1834, we were demoted from the Terrestrial Church of Christ to the Telestial Church of Latter-day Saints and shall be lifted up in the pride of their hearts above all nations, and above all the people of the whole earth, and shall be filled with all manner of lyings and of deceits and of mischiefs and all manner of hypocrisy and murders and priestcrafts and whoredoms and of secret abominations. And if they shall do all those things and shall reject the fullness of my gospel, behold, saith the Father, I will bring the fullness of my gospel from among them. But if the Gentiles or members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints will repent and return unto me, saith the Father, behold, they shall be numbered among my people, O house of Israel. Well, when does a member of the church become numbered among the people of the house of Israel? Well, it's at the time of the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. At the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, that is when um, the Gentile blood is burned out of us and we become blood Israel. So verse 13 in Christ's prophecy to the Nephites has direct revelation to what would occur during our day when a remnant of the house of Joseph through Ephraim would repent and return, would embrace again the fullness of the gospel that had previously been restored by Joseph in Joseph Smith's second ministry and would become numbered among the house of Israel. So back in 2 Nephi chapter 10, again, verse 18. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, thus saith our God, I will afflict thy seed by the hand of the Gentiles. Okay, the Gentile nation. And then we fast forward to uh, Joseph Smith returning and the restoration, again, of the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ before Christ's second coming. I will soften the hearts of the Gentiles. They have to be softened because as we just read in 3 Nephi 16.10, we would reject the fullness of the gospel under Joseph Smith. And so we would have need to repent and return and again into the new covenant. I will soften the hearts of the Gentiles that they shall be like unto a father to them. Okay. This has direct reference to the strength of the Lord's house as referred to in D&C 101, that Joseph Smith and the end-time servants would gather out among the Latter-day Saints and lead them on that end-time exodus. And during that end-time exodus, um, we have the missionary efforts, and that's why, or that's how, the Gentiles shall be like unto a father. That's how. Wherefore, the Gentiles shall be blessed and numbered among the house of Israel, but only those who repent and return, because those who do not uh, will be destroyed. They don't make it. Verse 19, wherefore, I will consecrate this land unto thy seed, and them who shall be numbered among thy seed forever, for the land of their inheritance. For it is a choice land, saith God unto me, above all other lands. Wherefore, I will have all men that dwell thereon, that they shall worship me, saith God. And this is why, you know, the Lord allows things to get so bad. Um, Even um, all peoples to come into severe bondage. And the work, even the work of destruction... To come upon them, which work comes by the hand of the king of Assyria, king of Babylon. Uh, That entity in the last days that amasses to itself a political, economic, and military power becomes the staff in the Lord's left hand to smite the wicked or all those who will not repent and return and enter into the new covenant. Verse 20, and now my beloved brethren... Seeing that our merciful God has given us so great knowledge concerning these things, let us remember him and lay aside our sins and not hang down our heads. For we are not cast off. And this equally applies to us. Even though we as a people rejected the fullness of the gospel, yet the Lord has not cast us off and is giving us another opportunity to repent and return and be numbered among the Lord's people, even to work shoulder to shoulder with the Lord's end-time servants, to take the fullness of the gospel to the four corners of the earth and to gather them out. Nevertheless, we have been driven out of the land of our inheritance, but we have been led to a better land, for the Lord has made the sea our path, and we are upon an isle of the sea. So it's important to understand that in the Book of Mormon when uh, prophecies are given about isles of the sea that North America is counted among those isles of the sea. Now, as a cross reference, let's go to 1 Nephi 22. And read verses 6 through 12. Now, this is an excerpt from Nephi's commentary on 1 Nephi 20 and 21, which is Isaiah 48 and 49. And it relates specifically to the prophecy that we have just read in 2 Nephi 10, which very closely parallels uh, Isaiah chapter 49. So verse 6, nevertheless, after they shall be nursed by the Gentiles, um, they meaning the house of Israel, including the Jews and the Lamanites and the scattered tribes of Israel. Um, And this being nursed by the Gentiles again is talking about those who are the strength of the Lord's house, who are led out on the end time Exodus and are led by those who have ascended to the level of kings and queens, priests and priestesses, you know, as we read in 2 Nephi 10 and cross reference in D&C 76. Nevertheless, after they shall be nursed by the Gentiles and the Lord has lifted up his hand upon the Gentiles and set them up for a standard. Okay, that setting them up for a standard is are those who are the strength of the Lord's house, who carry the gospel to the ends of the earth. And their children have been carried in their arms, and their daughters have been carried upon their shoulders. Behold, these things of which are spoken are temporal, for thus are the covenants of the Lord With our fathers. So we are actually going to be going on a physical missionary effort to the scattered tribes of Israel and gathering them in from their long dispersion. And it meaneth us in the days to come and also all our brethren who are of the house of Israel. And it meaneth that the time cometh that after all the house of Israel have been scattered and confounded that the Lord God will raise up a mighty nation among the Gentiles, even upon the face of this land. See, again, as you read the Book of Mormon in context, uh, North America is the only option for Book of Mormon geography. And by them shall our seed be scattered. And after our seed is scattered the Lord God will proceed to do a marvelous work among the Gentiles. So the marvelous work among the Gentiles is the return of the prophet Joseph Smith for his second ministry and the servants with him and the gathering out of the strength of the Lord's house in preparation for the marvelous work in a wonder, which is their uh, ministry that commences with the end time Exodus. The Lord God will proceed to do a marvelous work among the Gentiles, which shall be of great worth unto our seed, because the first missionary effort is to the Lamanites, and the mixture of the house of Israel among the seed of the Lamanites. Wherefore, it is likened unto their being nourished by the Gentiles. Well, they're nourished because the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ is taken to them, and it is Declared and taught in power and authority, specifically the power and authority of the Holy Ghost. Unto their being nourished by the Gentiles and being carried in their arms and upon their shoulders. And it shall be of worth unto the Gentiles, and not only unto the Gentiles, but also unto all the house of Israel. Well, how is it worth unto the Gentiles? Well, that means that a portion of the members of the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, who are willing to repent of their pride and enter into the new covenant, will be spared and not destroyed, and then will become an instrument in God's hand in reclaiming all of the house of Israel before his second coming. Unto the making known of the covenants of the Father of heaven, Unto Abraham, saying, In thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. And I would, my brethren, that ye should know that all the kindreds of the earth cannot be blessed until he shall make bare his arm in the eyes of the nations. Well, as a commentary on Isaiah 20 or 48 and 49, here we have some Isaiah imagery or a metaphor, and that is. God making bare his arm in the eyes of the nations. That's a metaphor for God's end-time servant. Joseph Smith Jr. will become prominent in the eyes of all the people of the whole earth. that all who will might repent and return, enter into the new covenant and join the exodus to New Jerusalem. Verse 11, wherefore the Lord God will proceed to make bare his arm in the eyes of all the nations, in bringing about his covenants and his gospel unto those who are of the house of Israel. Wherefore, he will bring them again out of captivity. Well, you don't have to be brought out of captivity if you're not in bondage. And the bondage that is being referred to is prophesied by Isaiah that in the last days, the king of Assyria, king of Babylon, would bring the whole world into bondage. And literally, we're seeing the foundation for that bondage being laid at this very moment. As COVID-19 is being used as the excuse for house arrest and the establishment of a police state, And it is the very infrastructure which will be used to bring the entire world into bondage as successively greater and greater, um, you know, plagues are released upon mankind. And, you know, we see natural destructions coming. Um, All of these things are implements of bringing the world into bondage from which they will need to be rescued. So the bondage is not only the spiritual bondage of having lost the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit, the doctrine of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost and second comforter, and that's how we become God's people. You know That is spiritual bondage, but the physical bondage is also coming. Wherefore, he will bring them again out of captivity, and they shall be gathered together to the lands of their inheritance, and they shall be brought out of obscurity and out of darkness, and they shall know that the Lord is their Savior and their Redeemer, the Mighty One of Israel. And so, now let's go to 2 Nephi chapter 12. And Second Nephi chapter 12 um, is basically a recitation of Isaiah chapter 2. Starting in verse 1 The word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. And it shall come to pass that in the last days, so Isaiah here is setting a very specific uh, context of time and place. While the entire book of Isaiah is uh, mainly a prophecy of the end times, and Isaiah uses historical precedent as Latter-day metaphor, um, so that there can be no confusion you know he calls out specifically that the time and place is in the last days when the mountain of the lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow unto it and you know despite what we may have been taught that you know this was talking about the building of the Salt Lake Temple and the You know, flowing of all nations, uh, you know, unto the temples of the Latter day Saints. This isn't what is being talked about. Um, This establishment of the mountain of the Lord's house is the establishment again in Joseph Smith's second ministry of true temple worship. And what is the purpose of true temple worship? It is to bring a people back into the presence of Christ in the fullness of his glory. This is literally the restoration of the new covenant in the book of Mormon, offering up a broken heart and contrite spirit, receiving the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy ghost, and then seeking after and receiving the second comforter. That is the point of true temple worship. And those aspects of true temple worship have been lost to the saints ever since the death of Joseph Smith. Um, There are certainly golden threads in the Latter-day Saint temples that point us in that direction, but it's completely symbolic. True temple worship is not symbolic. True temple worship has elements of symbolism involved in it, but true temple worship is actually receiving experiences with deity. It's actually receiving the baptism of fire, baptism of Holy ghost. It's actually being instructed about how to enter into the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit, parting the veil, ascending to the seventh heaven, coming into Christ's presence in his glory and having him make our calling and elections made sure. Now, the great number of callings and elections that are to be made sure are going to happen on the end-time exodus, as those who ascend to the level of elect or receive the baptism of fire, baptism of Holy Ghost, qualify to have one of the 144,000 work with them and help them ascend to the level of the church of the firstborn. So this is what is being talked about in verse 2. And it shall come to pass that in the last days when the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all the nations shall flow unto it and all the nations shall flow unto it because on the end time exodus of the missionary efforts, uh, those who accept will be coming unto Zion. Verse three, and many people shall go and say, come ye, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways. And we will walk in his paths, for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. So this has direct reference to the establishment of new Jerusalem. So war does not end until um, one arrives in new Jerusalem And one is within its walls or subsequently after Christ comes in the fullness of his glory. And so the assertion is that before that happens, um, we will not have the luxury of beating our swords into plowshares because we will actually need our swords and our spears into pruning hooks because before Zion is established and before um, Christ comes in the fullness of his glory. Well, until Christ comes in the fullness of his glory, nations will be lifting swords up against each nation um, and will be learning war. Um, And before Christ comes in his glory, it's only those who uh, dwell and inhabit inside New Jerusalem uh, who will not need to take up the sword in defense of truth and freedom and liberty. Their wives, their families, their children, their religion. Verse 5, O house of Jacob, come ye and let us walk in the light of the Lord. Yea, come ye. For ye have all gone astray, everyone to his wicked ways. So this house of Jacob are the covenant people of the Lord who have not yet awakened and arisen. They haven't yet repented of their iniquity. They still follow after false traditions. They still accept as truth doctrines that are given to them and not by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost. So the Jacob-Israel level in Isaiah are the Lord's covenant people who haven't yet repented, returned, and ascended. Uh, In Book of Mormon terms, these would be the, the inhabitants of King Noah before... A portion of the inhabitants were led out by Alma and the other portion, the people of King Limhi, until they had Ammon, you know, come to them and were provided a path of deliverance, which is what happened when they repented, returned, and ascended from the Jacob-Israel level to the Zion-Jerusalem level, because it is the Zion-Jerusalem level that qualifies for deliverance from both destruction and from bondage. So, O house of Jacob, or O members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, who have not yet entered into the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit, Come, ye, and let us walk in the light of the Lord. Enter into that covenant. Seek after and receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. Yea, come, for ye have all gone astray. That's right. All the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints and all the remnant branches have gone astray. Everyone to his wicked ways. I know what you're going to say. Well, but but I'm not wicked. You know, I'm doing uh, really good things. And, you know, here, you know, wicked is turning from the straight and narrow path of the Lord, not exercising discernment, um, being a foolish virgin, not taking the Holy Spirit as our guide. Therefore, we do not find the truth and we are deceived because we accept for doctrine the pronouncements of those who speak not by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost. Um, so this is the sense of wickedness that Isaiah is talking about in verse five. Verse six, therefore, O Lord, thou hast forsaken thy people. And why has he forsaken his people? Well, you know, let's go to DNC eighty four. Because they've forsaken him d 84 verse 54, your minds in past times have been darkened because of unbelief and because you have treated lightly the things that you have received, which vanity and unbelief have brought the whole church under condemnation. Now, this didn't just uh, pertain to the early saints in 1832 under Joseph Smith. It equally applies to us today because we have done exactly the same thing. And this commandment resteth upon the children of Zion, even all. And they shall remain under this condemnation until they repent. So this condemnation, which we came under in 1832, still remain, remains upon us. Even Ezra Taft Benson in general conference in the early 80s declared that we were still under this condemnation. And he might not have understood the full breadth and measure of this condemnation, but he was a very good man who did have the spirit of the Lord with him and correctly declared that we were still under this condemnation and today it has not been lifted from us as a people. However, we can individually come out from under this condemnation just as Christ Declared in 3 Nephi 16, verse 13. But if the Gentiles will repent and return unto me, saith the Father, behold, they shall be numbered among my people, O house of Israel. Okay, that is how we come out from under this condemnation. Verse 57. And they shall remain under this condemnation until they repent and remember the new covenant in the Book of Mormon and the former commandments which I have given them, not only to say, but to do according to that which I have written. And you may have noticed that I changed one word in verse 57, and that's because we had um, a transcriber's error when recording that word as this verse fell from the lips of Joseph Smith. Um, it's recorded, remember the new covenant, even the Book of Mormon, but the new Covenant isn't the Book of Mormon. The New Covenant is found in the Book of Mormon. A covenant contains two oaths, um, the oath of the people and the oath of God. And the oath of the people is that we will offer up for a sacrifice of broken heart and contrite spirit. The oath of God, which makes the covenant, is that he will baptize us with fire and with the Holy Ghost. Hey, Phil. Uh, I remember, not only to say, but to do according to that which I have written, that they may bring forth fruit meat for their father's kingdom, otherwise there remaineth a scourge and a judgment to be poured out upon the children of Zion, for shall the children of the kingdom pollute my holy land? verily, I say unto you nay. so if we go back to second Nephi chapter 12. Hey Phil. Can you hear me? Oh, okay. Verse five. Therefore, O Lord, thou hast forsaken thy people, the house of Jacob, because They be replenished from the east and hearken unto soothsayers like the Philistines. And they please themselves in the children of strangers. Their land is also full of silver and gold. Neither is there any end to their treasures. Their land is also full of horses. Neither is there any end of their chariots. Their land is also full of idols. They worship the work of their own hands. That which their own fingers have made. And the mean man borroweth not down, and the great man humbleth himself not. Therefore, forgive him not. O ye wicked ones, enter into the rock and hide thee in the dust, for the fear of the Lord and the glory of his majesty shall smite thee. Again, this is talking specifically to members of the church. And it shall come to pass that the lofty looks of man shall be humbled and the haughtiness of men shall be bowed down and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. For the day of the Lord of hosts soon cometh upon all nations, yea, upon everyone, yea, upon the proud and lofty and upon everyone who is lifted up and shall be brought low. Now, the day of the Lord, in verse 12 is the day that culminates in him coming in his glory, but it's the beginning of the day of judgment when the king of Assyria, king of Babylon will smite the entire world. And according to Isaiah, before that work of destruction is done, about 90% of the earth's population will no longer be here. And in that day, there will be no um, staying at the same level. One will either have to ascend unto salvation and deliverance, or descend unto bondage and destruction. For the day of the Lord of hosts soon cometh upon all nations. Yea, upon everyone. Yea, upon the proud and the lofty, upon everyone who is lifted up, and he shall be brought low. Yea, and the day of the Lord shall come upon all the cedars of Lebanon, for they are high and lifted up, and upon all the oaks of Bashan, and upon all the high mountains, and upon all the hills, and upon all the nations which are lifted up, and upon every people, and upon every high tower, and upon every fenced wall, and upon all the ships of the sea and upon all the ships of Tarshish and upon all the pleasant pictures and the loftiness of man shall be bowed down and the haughtiness of men shall be made low and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day and the idols he shall utterly abolish and they shall go into the holes of the rocks and into the caves of the earth for the fear of the Lord shall come upon them and the glory of his majesty shall smite them when he Ariseth to shake terribly the earth. In that day, a man shall cast his idols of silver and his idols of gold, which he hath made for himself to worship to the moles and to the bats, to go into the clefts of the rocks and into the tops of the ragged rocks. For the fear of the Lord shall come upon them and the majesty of his glory shall smite them. When he ariseth to shake terribly the earth, cease ye from man whose breath is in his nostrils, for wherein is he to be accounted of. So, Isaiah is calling out our iniquity. We have put our trust in man and in things. We worship money and what money can buy. We trust in men who are no prophets for they do not speak by the power and authority of the Holy ghost. And yet we accept their pronouncements and their teachings as if it were the mind and will of God, because we have not taken the Holy spirit as our guide. Therefore we cannot discern between truth and error, right and wrong good from the better from the best. However, the end-time servant, Joseph Smith Jr., and his servants restore again knowledge of the new covenant. They begin the gathering out of the strength of the Lord's house, first among the Latter-day Saints and next among the Lamanites and then among all peoples of the whole earth. And those who will hear that servant and those servants who speak by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost, who are able to discern true prophets from false ones. They are the ones that the Lord will gather and who will be saved and who will be able to abide the day of the Lord's coming. Um, And all who will not, they do not make it. And so, you know, that concludes uh, this portion of tonight's zoom meeting. And now we will open it up to discussion, questions, comments, and experiences.